Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, welcome, welcome, welcome to this fine episode of the working experience. Uh, it is colder than the witch's proverbial teat up here. Ooh. Yeah. Can I say teat? I can say teat. I, I don't I don't I think it's a, a, a phrase of inappropriateness was was delivered from Maddie K. You know what word I really like and I'm trying to incorporate more into my vocabulary is titillating. <laughs> <laughs> and let me give our listening <laughs> audience one guess as to why I like that word. Eh? It's got tit well, I, in it. I, I like to be um, at the age that we are where we're completely oblivious to the fact that we could be offending multiple groups of people. It's, uh, hmm, let me throw it in there. 
it's titillating, isn't it? <laughs> <Think> about, <laughs> titillating. You should use that at a meeting. Just say, well, I find this rather titillating. And then keep, you got to roll it naturally into the conversation. Uh, so teat, titillating, they, it just still makes me and, and keep And keep, hatter, uh, you know, keep hammering at home. Yeah. Or, and also, too, if someone's like talking and they're searching for a word, throw in titillating. <laughs> titillating. Is titillating what you're looking for? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Grandma, these cookies are absolutely titillating. <laughs> titillating. It's good. Uh, it's a good word for the... Uh, Christmas dinner table. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, especially with yeah. your underage nephew or niece, even better. Oh, that's brilliant. A good one. Brilliant. I, uh, I'm glad I'm 46 years old and still giggling like a little girl over teats. <laughs> the mentality of a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> Never ends. Never ends. Never ends. Never it, ends. It is so freaking cold here. And it, it occurred to me, our mutual friend Tony... Um, has uh, I think the last three times I've seen him, he's complained about the weather. He lives in uh, Manhattan, and uh, you know I used to live in Brooklyn. You used to live in Manhattan, and it occurred to me that you know it's cold here, but it's kind of nice. Got the fireplace, you know that was I had that going the other night, and the snow looks nice and everything. And and when it's hot, you know I don't not a big fan of the extreme heat, but it occurred to me New York City is absolutely useless for weather. It is useless. <laughs> Honestly. Well, it, it's it's useless, but it also could be crippling. Well, I mean, at best, it's useless. At best. Like, if you get six inches of snow where I live, which is suburban Boston, it looks nice. You know, it's out in the yard. It looks, I'm sure it's the same by you. You're out on Long Island. Yes. Yeah, it does look nice. In Picturesque. New York City, it looks nice for about a half hour. And then it's just a disgusting sludgy like the only time i've been able to enjoy it is when i would go up to the park and that that's fine but i mean you know. it's not it's nice in central park but the mo the modus operandi in manhattan is how do we get rid of this shit as quickly as possible oh and it's awful it's just it gets covered with soot and grime in about an hour it's just terrible and then when it's hot it's just it i mean new york will drive you insane if you think it's hot, for those people who have maybe not experienced this, if you're in Manhattan, Brooklyn, wherever you are, the Bronx, okay, let's say it's like 90 degrees, then walk down into the subway when you Ooh, want to. That's some that's some fun times. Oh my god, it's so hot down there. I mean, it's and the smell, oh, the smell, oh, it's garbage and urine and just, and I I really like New York City. I enjoy visiting. I enjoyed my time there. But weather, like even when it's nice out, like that's nice and everything, but it's kind of an indoor city. It's not, well, no, I shouldn't say that. People do walk a lot. You can go over the bridges and things, but um, when it's cold, man, and the wind comes down, you know, those tunnels that down the streets and it comes off the river. Oh, and when it's hot, I used to teach in the Bronx. It was like being in a brick oven. It was just unbelievable a little slice of heaven oh my god unreal so if all right before we uh we're just we're constantly complaining on this podcast it's just we open up with complaints <laughs> the middle's complaints well, and the end are complaints i opened up with titillating that was pretty good uh, actually <laughs> that is that's a that is an up point for us yeah. the titillating <laughs> that's a good one 
Well, you know, hey, it's it's the working experience. It's it, we're biting a raw slice out of life. Get hey everybody, get your yeah, uh, I like that a raw slice out of life. That's right. I almost said take your skirts off, but there I go, stepping right. Oh, in there, again. You, there you stepping go. right in it again. <laughs> My God, <laughs> that these things used to just be like. Nor like you know, my dad would be like, "Take your skirt off!" If I was oh complaining yeah complaining oh, about something, I or... could see uh, Papa Kerr definitely slinging that around. Yeah. Now a term that people use, I've heard, is snowflake. Like, stop being such a snowflake. You heard that one? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard that one. I've never really used it myself. You know, you know what people were saying a couple of years ago was butt hurt. You ever heard that one? Uh, yes, like I have some, heard that. I've one, never yeah. understood what that means. Like, if someone says he but, was butthurt about it, yeah, like you know, I, I don't, I don't think I want to explain it to seem insensitive, uh-huh. and, and to be uh, there are multiple meanings of it, some of which could be seen as homophobic and oh, insensitive. I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. Well, see, I heard like. People say this in venues that, like, were like I heard, like, you know, girls use it who are like seniors in high school, and they, they just kind of used it without thinking too much about it. Like, it was, it wasn't seen. I, I think there is like a, a male um, I see where version and a female version, uh, or, um, okay. do, do you know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. uh, there, there's a nice version, and then there's, uh, I only know the male perspective on that, which has so to do with if teenage sign. girls are. Yeah, if teenage girls are are using it for another reason, I have no idea. Yeah, well, it seems to the uh, the, the fad seems to have um, passed. Um, so, speaking of uh, complaining, I uh, yeah, we do like to do a fair amount of, of it on this. Uh, well, let's 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 try to tell the audience what we're going to discuss today. Well, can we I, get can we get back on track? Well, I was attempting to. That was my little segue. In there. Oh, I see. Yeah. Segway. My little segue. <laughs> the complaint. The complaint bridge back to what we're supposed to discuss. Well, wouldn't you put in the top? It's probably the number one thing people complain about is their job. I would say, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I would say, if not number one, definitely top three. I don't even know what you could name that would be more than that. I mean. Usually. No, you could complain about your family, your marriage. Yeah, but I, I mean, th- I think like in general, usually it's like you know, complaints, stuff that happened at work. My manager's a pain in the ass. Blah blah blah. You know, sort of. For you, the for you, it's a laundry list yeah, from yeah, the weather just to everything. just about everything. Yeah, every every single thing. Well, I insufferable. Do. I do shoulder more of a burden than the average person. You'd have to admit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I I fully admit that. You have a very rough life. I tell people in many social situations just all the burdens I have, how hard I work, and how underappreciated I am. Uh, they're, always, they're really unsolicited too. too. Oh, they're I'm, not even <laughs> asking you. Not only unsolicited, people start walking out of the room. <laughs> I started with whining and complaining. and Well, if, if certain people do have something to complain about, it would be a uh, minimum wage job, which there's always been a lot of debate about, like, you know, there's an agitation nationwide to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which in the current economy is still... Not exactly knocking it out of the park. Um, 
you know, I think in Massachusetts, it's I think it's 12 an hour. Um, maybe it's more than that now. But the big debate... What is what is the minimum wage? It's $12? I don't, is, I don't even know what it's in New York. Well, it, yeah, I have the magic of Google right here. Let's see. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. Yeah, so do I. In, $12 oh, it's an $13.50. So, oh, wait. In New York City, it's going up to fifteen bucks. Okay. Well, in Massachusetts, so it, it was thirteen fifty. Now it's going up to fifteen. Can they do that in the city? I thought it was a state thing. So in the city, it's thirteen fifty going up to fifteen. But outside New York City, the minimum wage is eleven dollars and ten cents an hour. Okay, in Massachusetts, it's uh, twelve. So I mean, let's make it easy. Let's say you work. Um, 10 hours a day that's $120 a day which is uh let's say make $100 a day after taxes you know it's 500 a week 2000 a month that's not a heck of a lot you know no no that's not a lot by any stretch of the imagination yeah. and fi- uh by rough estimates about 53 million Americans are in a drowning cycle of low wage work uh which is which is a decent chunk oh, about yeah. 40 over 40 percent of u.s workers aged 18 to 64 jeez well there's always been a debate about who those jobs are for and i i think one of the big debates on the other side of not raising the minimum wage which is generally a more republican view is that those were meant for like teenagers you know things like that which is probably you know like kids in high school working after school for three, four hours, whatever it is. But that's just simply not the reality of the situation. I mean, for, you know. No, I think especially now with the gig economy, with the Ubers and the DoorDashes of the world, I don't think that's the case. Well, and it's it's interesting to know where they factor into this because I, I don't think they are covered by this minimum wage thing. Um, if well, they're they're are they're cons- they're not considered employees, the right. gig economy workers. So they're contractors. So I think they can make less than minimum wage. Yeah, and plus there are tips involved. I think as well, which kind of skews things. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, yeah. Speaking of tip, speaking of tips, I'm always asking my clients for tips. <laughs> Even though it's even though it's not socially acceptable, I leave a meeting and I'm like, you I have, have my tip, hand out like I'm a doorman. Yeah, there and it says gratuities appreciated. They're just like <laughs> looking at you, like, all right. Like what? They, you they you don't a, think I? Uh, yeah, you don't think I gave a good presentation? They stick what? a buck what? in. <laughs> it's like here you go, and you're like, oh, nice, a buck. There you go. Yeah, I, well, uh, it's funny, you know. Remember uh, Reservoir Dogs when? Um, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, they're having breakfast and Steve Buscemi doesn't tip, and he's like, "No, I don't tip." Yes, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, you don't tip people at McDonald's, but you tip people down." And it's sort of like, "Yeah, you're right." I mean, I guess culturally, you just don't, you know, tip fast food workers. Uh, well, and also too, in other countries, culturally, you don't. No, you don't tip. No, but they pay more. They're, uh, they do, they do. They the, pay the, for the service fees within the um, within the bill. 
Well, and I guess restaurants over here get kind of pissed at European customers sometimes because they won't tip. Oh, they they do. Yeah. New York City restaurants. I know I have some friends who work there, and it's notoriously bad. Notoriously yeah, bad. They also know better, too. I mean, there's no way you don't know. If you're sophisticated enough to be traveling to New York, you know you're supposed to tip. I mean, come on. Yeah, but you don't you don't care. Probably not. But they yeah. do. They will tip. But they'll tip like five percent. Yeah, yeah. And when you're talking which is, about which like is a rough three hundred dollar bill, I mean that's that's rough. Yeah, it's rough. But um, leaving like wait staff aside because they're kind of in a different category. Uh, yeah, I mean these jobs which are have cut more of a wide swath. Like yeah, and, and as you say with the gig economy, that's created a whole other category which. You know, the jury is still kind of in and out on the benefits of the gig economy to a lot of people. Um, there was one guy, I guess Amazon is now hiring people on just sort of a Uber-type basis to deliver packages. And this guy was basically... Well, they, they sub... Um, sorry to interrupt. They subcontract out their delivery businesses to companies that use contractors. And I also think that they were... This might be what you're speaking about. They were trying to get independent um, freelance workers to like buy a truck and become an Amazon delivery person. It wasn't that quite that. About? It was it, this was in the UK, and it was more like a DoorDash thing. Like this guy could work shifts if he wanted to for Amazon, just driving his own vehicle, and would deliver packages. And if he didn't want to work, he didn't. And this gotcha. guy, you know, he was saying he loved it because he could work when he wanted to. And I think he was a writer or something like that, um, which in that case is fine. And you do hear about people, you know, ma- making a lot of money off of Uber, making, you know, 700 a week or whatever it is. But um, this woman who works at my school, she's a teaching assistant. I th- I don't know if her husband's retired, but he was doing DoorDash. I mean, this is a guy who's probably in his late 50s, early 60s, and he made like $300 over the weekend, according to her. I was like, wow. That's that's not bad. No. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it. I don't want to get in the car and drive around and have to go to... Hey, listen, CBS. nobody wants to get food from you, no. number one. <laughs> Showing up at How door. unappetizing. <laughs> you're no, you're dipping into the fries. Yeah, you're taking... <laughs> They, they, they got to pay the toll to Maddie. Matt, you show up with a pizza. There's one slice missing, but I, I've kind of rearranged it to make it look like there isn't. And I'm just like, right. You you spread it out. What are you talking you about? Spread, it, you, you, no, you take a slice and then you spread out the other seven slices. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the toll. It's a it's a tip. Yeah, it's, know, it's a toll. It's a yeah. it's a tip. And you show up still yeah. chewing. <laughs> you got some sauce yeah. on you. Oh, look, I. Look, before I got here, I assumed you were going to offer me a slice, so I just took one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, working, I mean, those jobs are hard. You know, I mean, working at, like, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, they're, they're tough jobs. I mean, I go into Dunkin' Donuts oh, yeah, no doubt. a couple of times a week, and those people in their hustle, man, they're on their feet for a long time, and... You know, sometimes and they're not ma- they're not making a lot of money either, and they're lo- working yeah. long hours. Yeah, and the, sometimes the customers are kind of you know people get their coffee order wrong, and they just you know it's Armageddon but, rips into them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that too much, but you know, 
it's um, it's not easy, an easy way to make a living. And more and more people, like, you know, they keep touting, Trump obviously keeps touting the economy. And there are a lot of jobs, but it's just a lot of them are not jobs you can really realistically make a living at. You know, I mean, you can't, I mean, $2,000 a month where I live. Jesus. I mean, if you lived outside of Boston, like I've seen apartments advertised for like $800 a month. So if you're making two great, now this is before taxes. Let, let's say right. you're making $1,500 a month. You're already spending half your, more than half of your monthly wages on your rent. And then you have everything else you got to pay for your transportation and all that so you know at the end of the month you're even if you were able to get an apartment for eight hundred dollars you know you're, you're spending a lot of money so i mean those the you know boston new york san francisco they're they're high you got to make a pretty high income oh new york to live there. no way i mean there's no way you can live in new york i mean well i shouldn't say no way i'm sure people do it that's hard that's very hard People do it. I mean, they they live in Queens, you yeah. know, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I mean, it's possible, but usually the household there are multiple people working and contributing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. You're right. No, there are a lot of people. I mean, I'm thinking about where I used to teach in the Bronx. I mean, I don't know. I would say a very very small percentage in the single digits of parents had college educations. So I mean, most of them were working, and you know, if you're in immigrant over here and your status is somewhat uh not quite legal you're not even dealing in minimum wage i mean you're dealing in like whatever you can get oh yeah yeah you're off the books yeah and whoever's hiring usually is privy to that fact and they're taking advantage uh taking advantage of you yeah yeah but still people manage to do it i mean that's the hard thing like they were interviewing on uh npr these people upstate they lived maybe a couple hours north of uh, New York City, and there just weren't that many jobs available. And, um, you know, one guy, like, he just didn't have the transportation. There was a place offering, but it was just too hard for him to get to. And he's like, upstate New York, stuff is so spread out, and, you know, it's it's hard to get around. And he's like, I can't move to the city, because he's like, I can't, you know, he didn't have a college education. He's like, I just... You know, he's like, I don't know anybody there. Like, the cost of trying to move there is so expensive. And he's like, it just doesn't make any economic sense. But that's where a lot of the jobs are, too. So, Well, um, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're looking at this article. And it's the, almost half of all low-wage low workers are employed in just 10 jobs. Retail, 4.5 million information and records clerks just shy of three million cook and food and prep workers 2.5 and then it goes down the list with janitors food and beverage services construction um, motor vehicle operators personal care and service providers retail is just brutal man especially this time of year it's brutal oh that is a brutal job i thought like cooks and food prep i thought those jobs you could kind of move up the ladder and make more money. Maybe not. It I think you, I you think are. you can. It depends on where you are, but you usually. I worked at a restaurant, and the lower rung, you know, you're working pretty hard, and you're not making a lot of money. Oh, it's hard work, yeah. But uh, 
See, like, I thought, like, construction workers would make more than minimum wage, but maybe there's a whole level that just, that's what they make. Uh, like, they also list, like, building cleaners and stuff like that. I would assume those are, uh, you know, minimum wage jobs. But I think it depends on where those jobs are, right? Like, if you're in a union in New York right. City, yeah. you're making a good salary. Right. If you were... You know, if you're working in a building and, you know, God knows where, non-union, you could get paid a pretty low sum. Yeah. Well, and it's not just the low money. It's like getting caught in the cycle of the whole thing. Because, you know, like let's say you're making two grand a month and you're you're paying rent, you're paying for your car, you're paying for food, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> like how do you ever get out of that? Like how do you pay for classes? Like... Just taking classes at a community college, like how much, you know, for how much money do you have left over to do that? I, I could not believe this the other day when I heard it. It was that college costs still continue to rise. I'm like, who is paying for this stuff? I, I just I think everyone is. Everyone is just taking on more debt. The students are taking on debt. Parents are taking on debt because nobody wants to be the first one to kind of like, you know, break the legacy. Yeah, I know. It's just, I, I can't believe. Cause I, I mean, I'm in it. I'm in it right now. I got, you know, my, my son is a couple of years away from going. Like, what am I doing? Not send him? I right, mean, well, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's just, I, I don't know how they keep going up. You know, whenever they, they keep talking about like free college for all and everything, they never talk about cutting college costs. Like, do they ever look into these state universities and see how many administrators they have working there? Yeah, yeah that's vacuuming up all that money. You know, the the students. Speaking of minimum wage stuff, uh, teaching assistants and some other people who are, I think, they're students at Harvard, and they also support themselves through their jobs. They went on strike. Because Harvard was paying, you know, minimum wage, basically. And this one guy got on there and he said, they have a $40 billion endowment and they can't pay more money. I mean, you yeah. get, you know, like, what are they doing with all that money? They just sit on it. I, it they're, they're sitting on it. They have layers of administration. I think it's administration costs. Yeah. And, and there's also, too, you know, like libraries are going up and they're on a building spree too and someone's got to pay for that yeah it just i don't know it's so uh, i it just seems like so many of the jobs these days are not like four-year education jobs you know i thought the trades would be like i guess what people kept talking about is like people would go for two years to learn computer programming coding whatever it was and you you know people weren't going to go for a four-year liberal arts degree because it it just didn't really matter but i don't know as you say maybe it still does matter maybe that's not actually the case so i don't know but it let's say that is the case then if you're a minimum wage worker like how do you ever i remember my uncle i was not my uncle i'm sorry he was my dad's cousin but he was kind of like an uncle he he paid for Boston College. He, he went to Boston College. It was $500 a semester to go there. So he, he worked a you know part-time job and he paid for Jesus, it. what was this, 1921? Uh, probably 1950-something. But his, oh, Jesus, 500 a semester. That's nothing. I know. 
But his point was, at that time, you could work a part-time job and pay for school. And, and like, that is just not... Like, I don't know how they justify... That's impossible now. It's impossible. It is, it is numerically impossible to work a job, even a full-time job, and go to school and pay for school. So his point was like, yes, costs go up, but he's like, they've outpaced the idea that anyone can work their way through school. Like, you just can't do it. Yeah, that's 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 history. Yeah. So, I mean, could you imagine paying, like, you know, what were we talking about, Fordham? Fordham was up around, what, 65000 a year now? Oh, I, th- I think it's broken through seventy. All right, let's say it's seventy. How do you work a part-time job and pay for Fordham University? How does that work? Like, how do you go to yeah. night school? I don't, it's just, you know. And it's a seven seventy thousand dollars is so not worth it. No, no. But I mean, and you and you could graduate and you know be a, a healthy quarter of a million dollars in debt and then still get a crappy job or not even get a job. Well, that's what I mean. That's what it, it's like when is this cycle going to catch finally because they've been talking about that happening with college graduates now for like the last 10 years. Like this cycle of getting out of school, being saddled with debt, not being able to get a job to cover it and it's like when does that... I, I think the only sorry to cut you off. I think the only thing that's going to break that cycle would be a recession, a pretty healthy recession. I guess, yeah. But because then it's just then it's just not going to make sense. People are going to put off school, and then the revenue stream with these colleges and universities will dry up, and then some will close, or they'll have to lay off administration. Well, that's the other thing. Colleges have been closing. Oh, they've been. Oh, they have. Yeah, absolutely. But then the cost is still going. I don't know. This whole thing just seems to defy like economic logic. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't I just don't I don't get it. Like a lot of kids that I talk to who are graduating from high school, their plan is to go for two years to a community college and then transfer to a. That's a good plan. Yeah. And, you know, save money and just like, you know do that and i was like yeah so why aren't costs going down like if more kids are saying like you know i just can't afford that or it's not worth it or i don't want to get saddled with debt i honestly think and i I truly believe this this came up in a discussion we were having about um colleges and stuff that you know people get into harvard yale princeton those are kind of the big three and um you don't learn anything more in a Yale classroom or a Harvard classroom than you would at like a, a UMass Amherst or a UMass Boston. I really believe that. Like the actual education, like it doesn't work that you pay more and you get smarter people to teach you. That just doesn't happen. I know that's the model. So what you're really paying for are social connections. I mean, you look at I don't know. Yes, you you are paying for the network. And I would agree with you up to a certain point. Like, let's say the top, you know, 50 schools or 75 schools. But once you get to, like, number 550 on the list and you compare that to Harvard, I think there's a difference. Yes, yes. But but you're right. You're essentially getting a a very – like, you could have an amazing teacher at – at a college that's ranked number 70th that could be far superior than Harvard. But you're, you're paying for 
the name, a name to have yeah. that on yeah. your resume and those social connections. Yeah, which are more valuable than anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would say, and you could probably speak more to this than I could, like when you go to work at the actual firm or your job, like they're not actually talking to you about things you learned in the classroom. You know, like no. it's no. more like, are you a good bullshit artist or do you look good in a suit? Do you know the right people, the right word? Do you sail? I, I check all those boxes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's kind of what you're, you know, it's, it's like if you have a writing professor at Harvard or you have a writing professor at UMass Amherst, you, you can't tell me that the writing is so much better from the Harvard professor than it is from the guy at UMass Amherst. It just doesn't make any sense to me that that would be true. Now, maybe you could talk about smaller class sizes and things like that. I would also posit, with all of this, you could sit down and read the textbooks yourself and probably go online. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Yeah, I know. Actually sit down and read something. Uh, but so it, it, but there is also the reality to get back to what we're talking about that like education is the way out of maybe not the way, but it's probably the most visible way out of this. But, but it's very, sorry to interrupt you, but it's very interesting. You know, what you brought up is if you were motivated enough in, in 2019, slowly turning to 2020, you could very conceivably, you know, voraciously read and learn everything that you need to know through books, the web, seminars, and probably do it at a pace much faster than your college peers, if so did if so desired. Would you agree with that? Um, that you could do what? You could learn the stuff? Yeah, like let's say, I mean, look, there's all there's obviously stuff like uh, medicine and law. You, you know, there there are things like that that you you probably do need to be in a classroom and a cadaver. You know, you, you need all that stuff. Yeah. But let's say business, right? To get a business degree, you could. I'm t- telling you, you could learn everything on your own and get an apprenticeship, like come out of high school, get an apprenticeship with a very successful person and soak it all up. And after four years, you're going to be better off than someone who graduated from Harvard. I would say if you're talking about business, you're talking strictly about making money. I would say if you are a person graduated from high school and let's say just went to work in restaurants and spent 20, maybe 10 years Working in restaurants, learning the business, saving money, moving up, making more money. I mean, all you have to do is read Kitchen Confidential, Anthony Bourdain's book. He talks about this. Like, Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Oh, well, he did go to college, but it didn't exactly apply to what he did later on. Um, but, yeah, you go in and you learn. Now, I mean, education-wise, being a learned person, if you're learning to, you know, I don't know, like... Uh, you know, I'm an English teacher. So there's a value in, yes, you can sit down and read the books by yourself, write papers on your own, whatever. But there is a value in discussing things, getting different perspective on things, like having a professor who's read the stuff and done a lot of analysis say, well, consider this, consider that. That is valuable. 
what you do not really get working on your own. But just starting a business, yeah, I mean, well, you again, you could speak to this better than I could. What does an MBA do for you opening up a restaurant? Nothing. Right, except take Nothing. your money that you should have invested in the restaurant and, you know, like I don't... Well, and a, and a lot of these courses are available online. I think like Cornell, even Harvard, I think they have these... Their They're courses are free courses. online. Yeah, but you don't. But you don't get the key thing. You don't get the diploma. That's right. That, but who cares? Well, no, I know. But if you if you want a job on Wall Street these days, would you not say an MBA yeah. from Harvard would do you well? Yes, right. yes. And if yes, you want a job at a law it's, firm, if you don't, it still it still matters. It still matters. Well, you know, it's funny because my as I've mentioned, my father was a lawyer and he did go to Harvard Law School, but he said some of the best lawyers he knew, trial attorneys had come out of like Suffolk law school. They went at night and like those guys were really good. Like in a courtroom, they, they were, and they made a lot of money too. Cause they knew like they did personal injury. They knew how to run a business as opposed to like, some of them had a real kind of, well, a, a little bit of contempt for like Harvard law professors. Cause they weren't seeing there. They kind of filled that adage of those who can't do teach which fits me like a glove. I can't do anything. So I'm in the classroom <laughs> reading books. Uh, but th those guys really like, and he just said, there's not a substitute for it. Like at Harvard Law School, they taught you a lot about the theories of law, but they didn't teach you like the nuts and bolts of like being in a courtroom before a jury. And you can't really teach somebody that. Either you can do that or you can't. And a lot of lawyers right. can't, you know, so they go into corporate well, law or whatever. Well, I mean, the same thing now is like working for like a Google or a Facebook. They don't necessarily care where you went to school or if you went to school. Would you get a job at Google without a college education? Absolutely. Really? If you're smart, if you're smart enough. Yep. Well, how do they know you're smart enough, though? I, I, I believe that they it, there's an interview process. I don't think they I don't know if they test but they value your experience. Like if you coded this or that, you know, you, you, you show you have a history of work and that could be better than a degree. See, that's why I don't understand again, why college costs are rising. Cause I know kids, one kid I, I read, I read over his college essay. He's going to a small school in Vermont to learn how to develop games he's a big gamer and that's what he's going to do and i'd never heard of this and this was just this year I'm good for him yeah and i said really i didn't know and he said yeah those careers are very lucrative and he said it's two years and he's specifically now one thing i would say and we used to have this debate in grad school for education like there's a difference between training and education you know you can be i mean you can train a dog you know they train people, military, policemen, firemen, whoever, because training, you need an automatic response. You, you have a very narrow skill set, which is very needed. Like if somebody starts firing shots, a trained police officer knows exactly what to do. I don't. I would, well, I know to soil myself and then shove everyone else in front of me as a shield. <laughs> that would be my first instinct, okay? education is more can you learn like can i put you in a new situation 
and you can learn. And that's yeah, and that's a valuable skill set. Yes, and that like when I went into the film industry, I didn't know anything. I you know I was thirty years old, never done anything but academia basically, and I had to learn. I had to learn what equipment did, and then it's this idea of like, okay, I know what this piece of equipment does for this, so if I know that without being told, I can apply it to that, and I can I can and that's right. And I had a and I had a very similar. similar thing happened to me in media. You know, I, I went to school, finance, international economics, went on Wall Street, and then I went into media and I was literally thrown into the fire. And it's you had to learn on, on the fly. Well, and there's also a confidence that comes with being educated that you know you can. And you know, even if you screw something up, you learn from that. Whereas, right, that's true. And that's different from training. And... People who, I try to impress this upon my students, like people who are not educated, it does not mean they're not intelligent. And the other way around. There's a lot of very educated buffoons running around. Oh, yeah. You could you could check that box for me, too. And sometimes too much education, can't, you know, where you're not doing anything practical to apply it. But the difference is like people who are not educated, oftentimes they'll just stop and they think they can't do something. And I fall into this trap, too. Um, right. But, like, the guy who wrote The World According to Garp, that was, a, you know, an old book that came out in the 60s. He wrote a lot of books. He had, like, a, a learning disability. It took him a long time to write. He had to do countless rewrites, 10 drafts, and things like that. And, you know, most people won't even start. And a lot of people stop after the second draft, and they're like, I can't do this. I'm no good at it. Whereas if you've experienced a quality education, you understand that, like, Okay, your first draft is never any good. It's always a piece of junk. Or your first restaurant fails. And it's not because you're dumb or it was a bad restaurant. It's just, and not even that you made mistakes. It's just you have to think about what would I do differently, you know? So, right. Training is like one size all fits situations. Whereas, I that that's maybe not the best way to put that, but. Um, education again it's you learn how to learn you learn like like we just switched how we teach vocabulary and I've, I've thought this for years we used to teach i'm sure you learn vocabulary the same way i did you memorize the definitions and then on friday you had a quiz you had to match the words to yep. the definitions yep you don't learn anything that's garbage you forget all of it right after the quiz so now it's about look i'm going to give you this paragraph Look for these five words and you tell me what they mean. Look at the context in which it's used. Oh, I would have, I would have failed. Yeah, well, it's supplying knowledge, which is where <laughs> you and I generally fall short of that. We, we fall off a cliff. Now, the problem that flies in the face of all of this is this podcast, because we seem to keep making the same mistakes over and over again <laughs> by droning on endlessly. Uh, well, look at the first... Part of this, I was I was giggling over the word titillating. I mean, come on. God. Hey, listen, I, I I think we got to wrap this up for our, our sole listener that's still with us right yeah. now, and we appreciate you, whoever yeah. uh, he and, or and she a, is. And apologize, apologize, and apologize. We appreciate and apologize. All right, everybody. Well, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back at you with more podcasts, and uh, don't forget us over the holidays because we're still going to be grinding away. Always grinding. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. 
We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.